Let's go on then. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to this week's NTT20 betting show brought to you in association with our new sponsors, Fanslide, the world's first truly live in-play fantasy football game. We will explain more very, very shortly. This is, of course, the sound of the start of your weekend and I'm on the line with my friend, George Ellick. George, how are you doing? Yes, Ali, I'm I'm very well. Excited by our new sponsors. A little, something a little bit different for us in the betting show. Not a, a betting app or a betting company, but a fantasy game. I've got this sort of image in my head of, of all the things that we like that I think our listeners are kind of into as well. Backing your, your footballing opinions, uh, analysis of individual matches and of teams, um, backing players that you predict to do well, fantasy football, gaming, all, all of that stuff sort of rolled into one, George. It's right in the heart of that Venn diagram, right in the sweet spot. Yeah, it really is. And it's free to play. Um, it's game by game as well, so there's no long commitment. I think rather than us kind of going through the mechanics of it, the best thing that you can do in order to work out what Fanslide is, is to download the app now and excitingly play tomorrow evening because Ali and I will be at Sky tomorrow, Friday evening, mm-hmm. crucially, to watch Derby Watford. We'll be doing our little bit after the game, talking about um, about a few transfers that we like. But in the meantime, whilst the game is going on, we will be playing along. So if you download the app, you look at the app tomorrow at about seven o'clock, you join the game for Derby against Watford. You can see there how it works. Very loosely, you pick three players at any one time during the game that you slide in and slide out and they can get points for different things, which you can see. There's a chat room there as well. So me and Ali will be in the chat room chatting to you all. We'll be taking you on with our team. Fair to say when we played it a couple of weeks ago, I ended up coming top and Ali was livid. There's a good story with that as well. You can hear on the uh, on the Monday show. And the guys at Fanslide are very, very kindly putting up a £100 pot as well. So it's free to enter. But if you win, you'll be winning cash money. That does mean it's over 18s only. But as I say, free to enter in play fantasy football. I think the championship really lacks a good in play fantasy football, like an alternative to in play betting where you can really show your knowledge and your worth and Fanslide is it and we are delighted to be sponsored by them for the next few weeks. It is very intuitive. It's easy to pick up and, and understand within a, just a few minutes. There is also a, a training ground section of the app that helps new players to learn the ropes. Uh, it, it's pretty tactical once you start as well. So it'd be really interesting to see how different people's strategies develop over time. I think it's fair to say. T- take us on, guys. We'll be playing Fan Slide tomorrow night for the Derby versus Watford game. That's Friday night, 7.45 kickoff. Make sure you have downloaded the app. Make sure you're signed up and join that match. As George said, £100 up for grabs for the winner. It's free to sign up. It's free to play. Give it a go and enjoy it. We look forward to dissecting things after the game. Let's get into today's betting show, which is for over 18s only. We'd like to remind everyone listening that there are risks that come with placing a bet, that come with betting. We hope that you understand the risks behind gambling. And if you don't, please do learn them. BeGambleAware.org is the place to go. We would just ask that you don't bet ever 
any more than you can afford to lose. Last week, it was a classic three out of six for our main picks, uh, leaning towards your success uh, with Morecambe, your nap, with Plymouth, your next best as well. Um, my nap, Exeter, really let me down at South End. It was one of those ones where actually them equalising in the last minute to make it 2-2 almost made me more angry. Do you know what I mean? I don't know mm. whether whether that whether that's just a silly emotional thing, but I was almost like, come on. Yeah, I'd almost rather you lose that. Um, Forrest Green did get up for me. At both of our overs bets, yours, Swindon Wimbledon, did not get over. And my Bolton Grimsby overs bet didn't even get close. Not a single shot on target in that whole game. So let's go uh, better today. What is your nap? What is your best bet this weekend, George Ellick? Yeah, for my nap, I'm going to a game that was a National League game um, a year ago or last season. Harrogate against Barrow, and I am backing Harrogate to win um, at a shade of odds against about 21 to 20 Harrogate are. And um, anybody who saw Harrogate on Monday night will have been impressed, I think. Anybody who is maybe tuning in for a bit of League 2 footy, not knowing much about either side um, beyond the fact that Bradford are, you know, a, a classically big League Two club against the Minnows. Harrogate would have been pretty surprised not only to see John Stead playing up top for the away side, but also to see John Stead playing up top for the away side, who were totally dominant. The, the data agrees with what we all saw. Harrogate um, winning 2.8 to 0.8 in the XG battle. They pressed Bradford basically off the park. They created chances freely. Um, were very happy to... to to um, to shoot where necessary, they play with an urgency that you have to really credit Simon Weaver for. And um, this was another example of Harrogate being, you know, a pretty good League Two side. This also marks a return to home for Harrogate. They've played their first few home games of the season so far uh, at Doncaster after they needed to make changes to their ground. That has been done, so they're now back at home, which you have to kind of credit them a little bit for if you're looking at, at general home and away performances. Um, for example, the 2-1 defeat against Bolton last time they played at home, you can kind of draw a line through that because it wasn't really necessarily a home game. Um, so very, very positive on them. For, for Barrow, it's been a tricky start. They're yet to get their first EFL win. Being 1-0 up at home to Leighton Orient, um, especially with Orient going down to 10 men after nine minutes and the player who was sent off for Orient and Dan Happer being probably their best player, um, you're not going to get a much better opportunity to get your first win than that. They, they did more than enough in the game. It has to be said, they were unlucky to, well, all credit to Orient for their kind of back to the wall performance and getting a point out of it. But Barrow did enough to win that game and win it comfortably. However, if we're looking at the season so far as a whole, um, they're still yet to beat some some fairly ropey opposition, you can say. And it feels like, you know, the, the momentum loss when it came to Ian Everett leaving the club and David Dunn taking over has been a case. So that's not to say they're not going to turn it around in time. And I think Barrow have shown enough this season to suggest we shouldn't be too concerned. But crucially for me, if Harrogate put in that same performance that we saw on Monday night um, again on Saturday, I think Barrow will really struggle to live with them. And therefore, I'd have had this as being Harrogate being odds on. So at odds against Harrogate Town at the nap. Okay, nice. Uh, my nap's also in League Two. I've got Cambridge to win this weekend. They are at Scunthorpe. You can get them around the 2.5, 2.6 mark. And I'm all over that, to be honest. Uh, I'm going to start by saying it's, it's hard to know exactly how good Cambridge are uh, so far. I, I'm not sure I'm ready to say they are 
automatic promotion contenders to, despite the good start that they've had. What I am happy saying is that they are a team that looks very well drilled, um, good defensively, that seems to have settled into this season um, pretty comfortably, that seem that seem very happy playing for Mark Bonner and in the way that Mark Bonner wants them to play. Just appear to have much more of a, a purpose about them this season compared to last season as well. And of course, they've got a few players who are evidently in some, some very, very good form as well. Not just Wes Houlihan, who often takes the headlines because of how recognisable he is and his name is. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's actually a rare example of people focusing on a big name in, in League Two just because they've heard of him, just because they recognise him. And often they're kind of missing the point. And often, you know, it's kind of just a bit of a bit of an easy narrative, right? But actually, Houlihan is performing <laughs> exceptionally well. He's top of the expected assists charts uh, in League Two this season. Again, it's, it's only five games, but that just shows that he is creating good chances for his teammates, more so than anyone else uh, in the league so far. And, and that's very notable. And in Mullin up top, they've got the player with five goals already, second top in the expected goals charts. Yes, running a little bit hot, I think it's fair to say. But if you look at the quality of his finishes recently, you can say that he's clearly a striker in, in good form and with someone in Houlihan um, f feeding him the bullets, so to speak. And they, they seem to be in tandem. So, you know, it's it's not just those two either. We've seen at different points this season and they haven't been amazing in every single game, of course, but there have been enough good signs with Cambridge and outside of Houlihan and Mullin um, to show that they've got a, a, a decent threat about them. So what's I'm, what I'm finding quite interesting uh, looking at their games so far, and again, only five games, but they don't seem too fussed about having the ball, Cambridge. I think that kind of tallies with what Mark Bonner talk to us about on the Totally Football League show, Extra Time. You know, he wants them to be exceptional out of possession. He wants them to be really difficult to play with. He wants them to make it really difficult for the opposition when they have the ball. Uh, and then to, you know, he's obviously got some some attacking ideas as well, but he's not he's not uh, the sort of manager that's interested in, in possession for possession's sake. Um, they're up against Scunthorpe, and this is a big part of this bet. I, I, I wasn't complimentary about Scunthorpe, was I? When I picked Forrest Green to beat them, they did beat them 4-1. Scunny didn't put up a huge fight, to be honest, in, in the face of what was a Forest Green side high on confidence like this Cambridge side is uh, and with a good game plan, which I think this Cambridge side has. Uh, my main concern here, you know, Scunthorpe not particularly good going forward. In fact, they've shown next to nothing going forward so far this season. OK, defensively, they shipped four last week, but generally they look not horrendous defensively. My main concern is if Scunthorpe go like full on low block playing for a nil-nil, just desperately trying to frustrate Cambridge and giving them all the ball and Cambridge struggling to break that down. I'm, I'm not yet convinced that Cambridge uh, have that in them to like, pro, you know, to really, to really break down a, a low block defence. But with Houlihan involved, they've got someone who, who should be able to unlock defences if that is the case. And I think anyway, with Scunthorpe, we're early enough in the season. We're early enough in Neil Cox's regime, his tenure even. And we're probably early enough just generally for relegation panic stations not to have set in. And I say all that to say that I think it's unlikely that he would set up with that uber defensive mentality, uber defensive game plan, um, despite Cambridge's good start. So Cambridge in my nap, I just think the price is very generous uh, for a team that I think is at worst, um, let's say a playoff chaser at worst against a team that I think is at best a lower mid-table team, but very possibly a relegation candidate. So uh, up the Cambridge, up the Harrogate, Next best for you? 
next best for me might be a bit of a surprise in the face of things, but not if you've been paying careful attention. (laughs) (laughs) Struggling MK Dons playing at home to high-flying Gillingham. Surely Gillingham are favourites here, Ali. No, they're not. And I agree. I agree they shouldn't be. MK Dons at 11 to 8. MK Dons are in a false position. They are in a false position, in my opinion. We've seen the ridiculous possession stats this season. I think they've attempted 500 passes more than any other side in the league. Their possession is averaging at 64. I think the next best is 58. It's it's total football. But initially, it... um, Initially, it was total football, but without much thrust, without creating many opportunities. I think they had two shots um, against Crew a couple of weeks ago. But since then, against both Ipswich and um, Pompey in their last two games, they have every right to feel like they could have come away with six points and they've come away with just one. Mm. Um, you've got to be impressed with the way they're controlling games, the way they are creating chances and to a large extent, you know, Pompey only had four chances on Saturday, four shots. One was a penalty. One was Tom Naylor's header in the second minute. Um, they're doing things pretty well in both boxes. I'm a massive fan of Scott Fraser, who we're going to be talking about on Sky tomorrow evening. Um, I'm, I'm pretty surprised that he ended up at MK. I think when he left Burton, turned down the deal back in July, I doubt he expected to be playing for a club whose, you know, immediate aspirations is, is, is safety in this league. Um, he opened his account on Saturday. And they're playing against a Gillingham side who, you know, have started well in terms of the points tally. But I watched Gillingham Oxford on um, on Saturday. And even though going forward, they they definitely were a handful. And I'm not here to say they didn't deserve their 3-1 win. But defensively, they were pretty much all at sea all game. I mean, they conceded, they conceded 31 shots of Oxford's, many of which were pretty good opportunities. They, they really kind of lived um, fairly dangerously. And, and given... Uh, MK Dons' ability to create chances against two sides who I would consider to be two of the best defensive sides in the league with two of the best defensive coaches in the league in Kenny Jacket and, and Paul Lambert. Uh, I, if, if the same happens again, if they can if they can fashion chances for whoever's starting up top, then it should be, um, you know, I, I think this still represents value for them to turn the form around in terms of the points tally. Um, they need a player who can put the ball in the back of the net. Could it be Cameron Jerome? I don't. Ne- I don't necessarily see why not. Like mm. I don't. I think it's easy to to scorn at players who were maybe, um, who come you know with a big reputation ten years ago who suddenly arrive in League One, but you know his job will be to hold the ball up, to use his movement and to get on the end of of the chances that are made for him. And I don't see why he wouldn't do that. I can see why he'd be better doing that than Cotton Morris, for example. Um, so interesting to see how he goes. But yeah, I really fancy MK to. Um, not just on Saturday, but just in the next few weeks, show people that they're not one to be too concerned about and to continue playing the the football they are at the moment. I think one of the things with ageing players dropping down and ageing strikers maybe more so than others, but not definitely, is often a concern about motivation. And some, you know, it all depends on where they've come from and what their playing career has been like, but sometimes a concern that, you know, they wouldn't be at their hungriest necessarily but I guess the fact that Jerome is linking up with Russell Martin who's obviously someone he's got a prior relationship with someone I assume he's got a good relationship with because everyone seems to love Russell Martin um, you know hopefully that will be a positive for MK Dons it's one of those where like they lost Reese Healy who uh, seems to be the sort of striker that you'd be very confident of getting Mm. at least let's say 18-20 goals and like 
you, you probably can't really replace that unless you get really lucky. And so I already feel bad for the strikers. They do have Morris, uh, Jerome, Nombe, the youngster as well, because it's unlikely that any of them will probably reach that level. But that's not to say that they can't. And it's also not to say that MK Dons can't be a good team without a striker that scores 20 goals. So um, plenty to be interested about when it comes to MK Dons. I, I think if, like, if things do start going better and if Martin starts to really catch the eye and especially this quite extreme style of play, then uh, they're going to be a really interesting team to be talking about. I'm also in League One now. Peterborough to beat Oxford United uh, at even money. You. <laughs> ah, fair enough. No, no, no. I can see it. I, I, yeah, I am quite impressed with the performances of, of Peterborough so far. They've won three and lost two. Opening day defeat against Accrington was poor. Defeat to Sunderland... I'm happy to say was was unfortunate. It was probably not fair on the balance of that game and the fact that it was a well, it was a penalty decision that I couldn't really see whether it was right or wrong, but everyone seemed pretty upset about it. Um they haven't been playing amazingly and they've had a you know, first half against Swindon, fairly poor, massively turned it around in the second half, absolutely blew them away, absolutely blitzed them. So it's not been all incredible, don't get me wrong. And they haven't put together the sort of perfect 90-minute performance yet, although last week's win against Northam Northampton, against Northumberland, the whole county <laughs> against Northampton was very, very comfortable. Um, and I think, yeah, I'm just quietly impressed with Posh's start to the season. I think that their their base level, if you will, is is pretty high for this level. And I think that if and when they perform at their best a bit like they did in the second half against Swindon, I think they're good enough to, to beat anyone at this level as well. So this is a, a posh side. There's a few interesting parts to it, really. It's it's a settled posh team, which given that they are known for uh, being very active in the transfer market generally, is potentially unusual. Um, not too much change from last season, apart from the, the headline, which of course is losing Tony and bringing in Clark Harris, who ever since I gave him those shooting tips, seems to be much more comfortable in front of goal. Um, less reliance uh, on individuals like Marcus Madison, who's obviously dominated this team for the last three or four years, not necessarily to a, to a particularly um, successful extent. You know, when, when Madison was racking up the numbers and was uh, taking tons of shots and playing through balls and making a cross every single time he got the ball, maybe that wasn't conducive to a particularly well-rounded and good posh team. And I think it's the opposite now. I think the, the system itself is impressive, which hasn't always been the case for Peterborough, where you've often had to focus on individuals. Um, I also don't think, unlike previous posh teams, it's a case of we'll score four, you score three, you know, back the over 5.5 every weekend just in case. Ferguson, Darren Ferguson, that is... I think he's, certainly since we've been doing the pod, when he was with Donny and now with Posh, his defensive numbers are always quite impressive. He seems like a very, really solid defensive coach and uh, and their back line, Posh, look pretty solid. I wouldn't go as far as to say they're an incredible defensive team, but they look good. And going forward as well, they're, they're, they're really good when things click. Uh, they've got plenty of different goal-scoring threats, whether it's Clark Harris, whether it's Dembele, who seems to be breaking out even further this season. Some of the reviews of his performances in the last few weeks, mostly from opposition fans, um, has got me really excited that he might be uh, sort of making the leap, I guess. Smodics, we know, uh, as as number 10s goes, about as big a goal-scoring threat as you can get, certainly in League 1 and League 2 level. And then we've seen last week a nice goal from Reese Brown. Jack Taylor's shown a scoring touch as well. A lot of options in terms of, of, of goals. A lot of things to think about for Oxford. Even some of their less heralded players like Thompson and Ward 
seem to be, you know, they've found their feet in this team. They've got roles and they're performing well. I think Peterborough are ready to be good now. And I'm not sure I can say that about Oxford just yet. With all the contextual caveats of a horrendous injury crisis with, you know, the difficulty of trying to replace Rob Dickey. Um, I, I'm not all doom and gloom about, about yellows at all, but it does feel like maybe the third season in a row, George, and tell me if I'm wrong, where like just hasn't really started very well and that could be quite frustrating if yellows then kick on second half of the season and get close again. You'll look back again at the start of the season potentially and be a bit disappointed. But, you know, that, that that's a, probably a conversation for another time. They lost 3-1 to Jills last week. And while I'm certainly not marking Oxford down significantly based on that result, I'm also not going to be blinded by the shot stats or the XG stats from that game. Because if an average team started every game 2-0 down, their shot numbers and their XG numbers would be very, very good. They would look incredible. Mm-hmm. So Correct. Um, the, the organisation early in that game was very poor and potentially not too surprising. And again, there's lots of excuses for this as well. As you tweeted last Saturday, always fun being quoted back to yourself. Um, our right back was an attacking midfielder. Our centre back is a right back. Our left back is a centre mid. Our centre mid is a right winger. Our left winger is a striker. Not ideal. Um, you've told me that you don't think that the uh, missing centre-backs are going to be back, Moussinho or Atkinson, I guess that is. So could it be long again at centre-back? Maybe Gorin, as I think he's back and fit. I I don't know exactly Mm. the team news, but after all that, I'm just basically confident the Posh will win. Um, Someone in a a yellow shirt is going to need to be able to tackle Dembele. I think Gorin, to be booked if he does start, must be one of the bets of the century. (laughs) Although (laughs) although, the the only thing I would say is, is probably... You know, I'm with you, and I've I've, I've actually backed Posh as well mm-hmm. before we spoken here. But I mean, almost in a way, if Sam Long is going to be playing centre back, I'd say Siriki Dembele is is almost the perfect person to be playing up front because Sam Long is five foot ten. Um, not to, offensively, his heading's okay, but defensively, not so much. But he's a decent ground duelman. <laughs> and that's what he's that's what he's gonna have to have a lot of well i'm sure here. johnson clark harris will make sure he is pinned onto sam long at all times. the um and and the only other thing i would say in in support of your selection there rally is that these two sides did play um not very many games ago but all the way back in february at peterborough and it was four nil to peterborough in a game they completely dominated so that might be fresh in the memory too okay i'm also just going to mention uh, another Another selection that I've got, uh, which is back on the old friends, Forest Green again. I'm just going to keep milking it for the moment. I still think that there's value in backing them. I think that's the case this weekend at home to Stevenage. I'm going to get a bit greedy and try and boost the price a little bit. So I'm backing Forest Green and over 1.5 goals in the game. Uh, six to five, uh, 2.2 if you prefer a decimal. Um Interestingly, in terms of style, and if anyone wants to watch this game, for example, on iFollow this weekend to see why I keep banging on about Forest Green, it's going to be a good game for it because Forest Green have had the most possession in League Two so far this season. Stevenage have had the second least possession in the league so far this season. And honestly, if Forest Green hit 70% here possession-wise, I wouldn't be too surprised. Um, I'd expect them to dominate the shot count because... um, you know, not all possession-based sides take a lot of shots, but this Forest Green side tend to have the ball and tend to take a ton of shots as well. So I'm, I'm sort of expecting, obviously hoping that they'll create plenty of decent chances as well, as they have done pretty consistently over the last uh, four or five games. Um, and a bit like Posh, as I said before, I do think they've got, they seem to have a few different threats as well. We've seen plenty of different players on the score sheet already. 
I don't have a ton to say about Stevenage yet. I haven't got a huge handle on them other than they're certainly not the same as last year. They're certainly not as bad as last year from what they've done so far. I would I would say they've had some quite tough fixtures. The signs are that they will be good enough to beat bad teams in the division like Oldham, who they beat comfortably. They'll give middling teams a good game uh, and they'll lose to the best teams. So... You know, I think Forest Green are, are potentially one of the best teams at the moment in the league. So I'm going to look pretty stupid if this goes all completely wrong. But my reading of this game is if Forest Green have a terrible day in front of goal, obviously not good and it'll end 1-0 to Stevenage or 0-0. If they have an average day in front of goal, Forest Green will win 2-0 or 2-1 or something like that. And if they have a good day in front of goal like last week, then again, we could be looking at a 3 or a 4 or a 5. So that's what I'm hoping for. Forest Green and over 1.5 at 6-5. to five. What would you like to do next, George? Would you like to do a long shot? Yeah, I'm going to do a long shot. I also think we should maybe have a, a segment on this show every week just called More, More Come and Collect because Morecambe are a massive price again at 5-2. to two. Nice. Um, So, but I'm not going to go into it again. It's the same reasons as last week and can, it's all pretty tiresome. Can we put this down as an official selection? No, no, no. It's just pointing out again that five to two, if you can get it, is um, well. Maybe it's my second NB if we're going to do that. But... Let's do that. Go on. Okay, fine, fine. Um, but yeah, a long shot um, is in Wickham against Millwall. Um, if you're looking at the early kind of XG signs, unsurprisingly, maybe um, they are um, Wickham are, are, are kind of miles down the bottom in terms of expected goal difference. I think their expected goal difference is minus seven. Um, through four games, which is is fairly ropey. Their XG against is 9.8. I think the second worst in the league is Derby with 6.8, or Forest actually with 7.1. Um, their expected goal points, which isn't a metric I really like, it kind of works out which games they should have won and lost and things, is, um, is three because they should have beaten Rotherham on opening day. The only championship side not to have picked up a point based on expected goals in individual games is Derby. But surprisingly, the side whose XG is pretty troubling, maybe surprisingly, is Millwall, um, who having played four games, their XG4 is just 2.5. Their XG against is 4.9. So the the difference is minus two and a half. And they haven't had the upper hand in any of their four games in terms of expected goals. So a side to maybe kind of treat with some caution and they go away to Wickham on um yeah on Saturday and the way I'm going to play this is kind of an under goals bet because even though Wickham's um expected goals against is 9.8 they have played some good teams this season um you could look at the Blackburn game for example where they had a man sent off early so that's been skewed a bit um Swansea also gave them a bit of a battering Luton's probably the outlier but they've had a decent start again so the more concerning thing in my view is uh, is Millwall to post such a poor expected goals for just two and a half uh, through four games shows they're really struggling to create plenty of chances and, and we saw plenty of times last season and in the Rotherham game early on this campaign that Wickham I mean they are a defensive first team and I'm pretty sure they're going to come into this thinking if we can keep it tight and try and nick it that is the best, our best chance of getting three points. So no goal scorer. It's the kind of nil-nil um, alert here. I backed no goal scorer on, on opening day between Wickham and, and Rotherham. And it was a bit of a signal when uh, Heatway scored in, in injury time. But here, I think it's kind of 8-1, to 15-2, no goal scorer. That means if there is a goal and it's scored by as an own goal, then we still are collecting. Um, but that's my long shot is effectively nil-nil, but no goal scorer, Wickham-Millwall. 
Well, my long shot continues a familiar theme. Uh, of course, the, the sort of subheader for my long shots this season is searching for the next Jake Cooper. Uh, if you know, you know. And uh, this week, do you know what last week device... I mean, Hull were just poor, weren't they, overall? It was actually his defending, which was just not good enough, which didn't allow us much of a chance for him to score first. But he did have one absolute golden chance towards the end. And, uh, yeah, I think I probably should have gone back and checked the stats before I make a, a, a claim like this. But it's hard to check this. And if anyone has the time to, then I worry for them. But I'm pretty sure all the centre-backs I've chosen so far this season, and it's only, what, four, I think they've all had a, a shot in the game, which I take as encouragement. I think that's a good thing. And that's why I'm backing Ross Sykes of Accrington to score first against Ipswich this weekend at 50 to one. First and foremost, I got a feeling that Ipswich won't have it easy versus Accrington, despite Ipswich's good start to the season, their lofty status. Just the way that they play, the way that Accrington play, uh, even if there's a, you know, potentially a talent gap between the two sides, I do think that Ipswich will find this quite tough. And um, in Sykes, Accrington have a guy that I like for two reasons for this bet. Firstly, he's a proper centre-back, proper set-piece threat, very, very tall, like almost as tall as Jake Cooper. I dare say if we lined up all 1,000 EFL players or however, however many it is, and then we told the goalkeepers to bugger off and we just had the outfield players, I reckon Sykes, obviously Cooper would be probably number one, wouldn't he? But I reckon Sykes would be easily top five. What I'm saying is he's tall and that means he's quite good at getting his head on things, but also quite fun uh, wrinkle just in case it happens. And we really will feel like legends. He's got really nice overlapping centre-back vibes. Obviously that's been quite a, quite an exciting theme of the last year or two in the EFL. Um, he has taken quite a lot of shots already this season. I watched him back some of them from set pieces, but also some of them just galloping forward and getting into, well, either getting into good areas, more likely just taking quite bad shots from 20, 25 yards. He's not exactly Kevin De Bruyne when it comes to shooting from range, but <laughs> he had one absolute beauty against Burton that hit the bar. Um, so he clearly can strike them and you never know, we might get a nice deflection. Funnily enough, some I think basically, maybe this doesn't reflect that well on me, but two of my biggest winners in this theme were Semi Ajayi when he played for Rotherham who I knew was good at going up for set pieces. I backed him to score first against Leeds at 80 to one, and he scored a 30 yard screamer. And then um, Jake Cooper last year, the famous bet, it wasn't a goal from a set piece. He, he galloped forward. He was overlapping center back. So it's just added a nice wrinkle. Sykes is going to be galloping on and I think he can score first 50 to one. That would make me a very happy man. Lastly, George, our attention turns to Friday night because there's a game that we will be watching at Sky Studios. We'll also be playing along on Fanslide. Talk me through it. Yeah, so now that Fanslide are sponsoring the podcast, we are going to do a preview of the game, which we are going to play along with you on the app. So make sure you download the Fanslide app. We'll play the game with us. We'll be in the chat room chatting to you as well. But this is a way of maybe flagging up a bet to have before the game as well and this friday it is derby versus watford live on sky sports football on friday night make sure as well that you keep the tv on until 10 15 so you can see me and ali doing our thing Correct. alongside caroline barker um i'm going to take the first run here and the way this is going to work is ali and i are just going to look through it rather than the old days of match and focus where we took a team each we've basically just chosen a selection each for the game and we're going to justify it to you and my one here was based mainly on Watford being 
a pretty conservative side under Vlad Ivic. They have been very safe, I would say. And, and the data kind of aligns with that as well. If you're looking again at the same XG table I was talking about, it is pretty grim reading. Expected goals for 3.1, expected goals against 2.9. So if you add those two numbers together, Ali, you get six. Six. So they're basically six expected goals in total in their four games. That is pretty rotten stuff. But Derby's, you know, performances, the data behind it is very troubling indeed. As I mentioned, the third worst expected goals against was 6.8. I think Watford are rightful favourites here. And I think, you know, you could really justify just backing Watford um, at around about the five to four mark. But that, you know, I think there are other ways here to go. It feels like this is a classic case of a low margin victory. Um, it's not going to be a massive goal fest. I think Watford are going to probably keep Derby at bay pretty comfortably. And therefore, I'm looking at the correct score market. And, and Watford to win 1-0, a bit of 13-2 about, otherwise 6-1 to seems very fair value for me. We've seen them win 1-0 already twice this season. In both games, they didn't really look to do anything to build upon their lead. It was get in front, um, sit in, counter if we can, but generally just uh, just try and make sure we get the three points. And I think if they go ahead again, Tomorrow night, on Friday night, that will be the way this one goes. Yeah, boringly, predictably, uh, thinking along the, the same sort of lines, uh, my selection for this one is Watford to win to nil. So there's a chance we could both, Lovely. There's a chance we could both be very happy come 9.30, 9.45 on, uh, on Friday night, especially if I win the fan slide uh, £100 prize pot, which I fully expect to win. Um, yep, yeah, for all the reasons that you said, I think the interesting thing here from a punting perspective is like, I reckon if you're backing Watford so far this season, this current Watford side, you're really confident as soon as they go ahead, like more so than than, than many other teams. You'd be pretty confident that they'll that that'll be a winner. At nil nil, you're probably getting more and more antsy about them because they don't seem to have as much intent to attack as you might expect from a team that's just come down from the Premier League. And at one nil down you'd be tearing your hair out because I think they're the sort of team that when they're 1-0 down at the moment, from what I've seen anyway, that they haven't really got the, as I say, the sort of the minerals, the attacking minerals to get back into the game. So we're hoping that they will control this game, take an, an early lead, let's say, and then just sit on it, just just sit on the game. All the while, George will be playing Fan Slide, which is the world's first truly live in-play fantasy football game it takes some of the themes of fantasy football and in-play betting and mixes them together into one slick and fun app uh, it's a it's a great game it's intuitive and easy to pick up and understand M- much easier than us it, describing the game explaining the game much easier than that would be to go onto the app store now download fan slide um, check out the training ground part of the app that helps you to learn the ropes but once you get going um, you will be bang at it it's uh, it's all about sliding players in and out it's about selecting the right players at the right time it's quite tactical it's great fun uh, we're going to be playing on Friday night so if you download the fan slide app sign up for free you can play the game for free join the Derby versus Watford match that you'll see front and centre uh, and take us on tomorrow night. There's £100 prize money up for grabs. Give it a go this Friday. Enjoy it. We'll see you there. Um, that is Fanslide, our new sponsors of the podcast. George, before we go, I'd love it if you could just recap your bets for the weekend. It really is helpful for some listeners and for me next week when I'm remembering how we did. <laughs> yeah, the nap is Harrogate to beat Barrow. Um, the next best is MK to beat Gillingham. 
uh, also quite fancy Morecambe to get the job done away at Crewe. Um, the long shot is no goal scorer at Wickham against Millwall. My fan slide match bet is uh, Watford to beat Derby 1-0. My nap is Cambridge to beat Scunthorpe around the 2.5-2.6 mark. Next best, Peterborough to beat Oxford. Then Forest Green and over 1.5 goals in the game against Stevenage. My long shot is Ross Sykes. Uh, and in the Derby Watford game, I'm going Watford to win to nil. Uh, last but not least, George, no one likes self-promotion. But if you don't promote yourself, who else is going to do it? Stick on Quest, George, this weekend, this Saturday. Uh, it's on from 9 to 11. All of the highlights from all of the EFL games. And if, you, if you're if you on from 10 to 11, if you've got that channel on, you might see a friendly face. That's all, I, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, 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 I want you to guess. I want you to guess. But that's all I'm saying. You might see a, a friendly face. Um, thank you guys so much for all your support uh, on this podcast and all the other podcasts that we're doing. Uh, we know it's a tough time at the moment. We hope that everyone is, is staying well. Um, please do get in touch with us. Talk to us about EFL football. Talk to us about anything really at NTT20pod is where you can find us. Let us know which uh, selections you fancy this weekend anything that's caught your eye uh, and we do hope that you'll join us tomorrow night and play fan slide uh, we really think that many of you will really enjoy it so do get involved and thanks for listening to this week's betting show the sound of the start of your weekend have a good one everyone <laughs>